We cannot be great pet sitters or great managers or great admin per people if we don't have a chance to rest. And we have to refill our own cup and have something to give. And if we're always giving, there's nothing left at the end of the day or at the end of the week or the end of the year. Hey there, I'm Janie Budnick, the Pet Biz Guru and founder of the Pet Biz Hive and Pet Biz MBA. The Pet Biz Hive podcast is a space for pet business owners to still get all those things done while getting some tips and business education in their ears. So pop in an earbud and get ready for the buzz. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Pet Biz Hive podcast. I am still in the Revenue Streams series that we've been running now for several weeks. And this week, I am really excited to have Morgan Weber with me. Now, she has, oh my goodness, several different things she's doing now, but she does have her Lucky Pup, which is her pet care service. Mm -hmm. And today, we're specifically talking about the evolution from that to her other revenue stream of Memory Flame Candle Company. Now, I know several of you use her services. If you don't, you're going to. I just ordered from myself a couple of days ago for one of our clients at Pass. So welcome, Morgan. I so appreciate you joining me. This is your first time. It is my first time. I'm super excited to be here. And, you know, I was thinking about, gosh, it's only been like a year, I think, since we first met at a conference. And it's just been so lovely to get to know you and, and to all of these things that you're doing as well. You've got a full plate and you do such a good job of um, helping uplift our industry and uh, help educate people because there is a lot of stuff that a lot of us did not know before we became pet sitters. Oh, believe me. Yes. Um, gosh, thinking back to that, was it the PSI convention last year? It was. So yeah, it'll be almost a year then at the end of, uh, end of September, kind of beginning That's of crazy. October here. So it's been, it's been a fast year. <laughs> yes. And then we get to see each other again because we're both yes. speaking at the upcoming convention. So yes. I know I'm excited to see faces again. Um, just had the opportunity to see you recently at the Florida Pet Services Association. And, um, yeah, whenever I saw you there, it made me say, uh-huh, I, I should have had Morgan on before now, right? Well, like I said, I'm super excited to be here. And I think it's um, there's so many of these really important conversations that we can have as pet business owners to help others understand, too, that they're not alone. I think that there's a lot of conversations that um, people just need to kind of hear because we think that we experience these things kind of in our own little isolated vacuums, but they're so common across all of the industries that um, we just had to talk about them a little bit more. Yes, yeah, true. And, you know, I know with my years in for a long period of time, I was operating very isolated. Mm -hmm. uh, what I really loved at Florida, there were several people who had been in business for several years already that did not know that we have these types of support communities mm -hmm. for other pet business owners. And I was like, oh, sugar buckle up because <laughs> you are going to get some information. So it was, it was great to be able to see really the community mm -hmm. that we have built and the connection that we have built. You know, I call it the hive, the hive that we have built within the pet business community with mm -hmm. all of our groups, our conferences, our, just the way that we support each other. 
Absolutely. And I, I was the same way. I think I did our business for seven years before I even met like another professional pet sitter that was really tied into a community. Um, and when I met her, I, it was like this whole world opened up to me and I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that there was all of this support out there. I'm like, if I had found this, you know, years ago, I would have um, probably been a little bit further ahead than I, than I was, but yeah, it was, it's so amazing how many really supportive and kind and just helpful people are out there to help us. Oh, same, totally same. Uh, so tell us, tell the listeners uh, a little bit about your core business, your pet care service, where you are located. And of course about Lucky Pup. Perfect. Yeah. So Lucky Pup is our dog walking and pet sitting service we do in your home pet care. We're in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So we're we're in the far north, I like to say, um, compared to all these people who are, you know, you have nice weather down there in Missouri and like our friends in like Texas and Florida have this like lovely weather. And I'm like, it's negative 20 up here and we're walking <laughs> dogs. You know, <laughs> It's a little bit less fun. Um, but we started in 2013 as just kind of a side gig. Um, we were fresh out of college. My husband and I, well, we were dating at the time, but my husband and I just kind of needed extra money. I was, went to school to be an architect and you know, contrary to popular belief, people who work in the architecture field aren't making boatloads of money. My first job out of college um, with my master's degree working in my field, I was making 12 bucks an hour. And nice. I was like, yeah, it was not <laughs> it was not a livable wage. <laughs> and so I had a coworker at the time who had a dog and he said, hey, do you want to pet sit for me um, like on the weekend? I was like, sure, why not? That sounds cool. So we did it a couple times. And then we actually, he helped us find a dog because his friend's dad had passed away. And his friend had the dog with their other dogs. And it wasn't a great fit with all of them together. And he's like, hey, I know you're looking for a dog. Would, would you like to take Casey home maybe? And I was like, sure, we'll try it. She was a, a nine-year-old golden retriever, and it, needless to say, she came to our house and she didn't go back again. And um, Casey's dad used to dog sit for all of these dogs. And so they said, well, maybe you should keep doing this. And we said, sure, that sounds cool. Um, and we really liked it. And it actually was my husband's thing at first, and I kind of helped him out. And then as the years went on, I started doing more of it. Um, we moved, I had changed jobs and I was suddenly walking dogs on my lunch break. We were working, you know, nights, weekends, holidays. And I said, you know, we're doing this enough that I really should either become a licensed architect or I should become a dog walker. <laughs> and <laughs> I, be I became a dog walker instead. And it's been, I just went full time in 2018. So this has been five years of full time. And now there are eight of us total, including my husband and myself, um, who all work in the business. So we have a fairly large wow. service area. We're kind of a suburban city. So we have a lot of kind of outlying communities. Um, so we have a large service area and we um, just have a great time. We have a lot of really awesome pets in our group and um, it's been fun. We've kind of grown over the years, I'm kind of at a point now where we are either going to have to grow a whole bunch or we're going to stay the same. And we're kind of just staying the same for right now. It's been a, it's a pretty comfortable place to be in as a business owner. And so I think someday maybe we'll grow more, but for now it feels pretty good where we're at. 
Well, and then Austin, your your husband also has yes. his own thing that he does. <laughs> yes. With aquariums. Yes. So yep, we have a branch of our business um, that is aquarium keepers. And so he maintains aquariums, sets them up. And he is the, uh, I call him the chief fish guy at a retail pet store in town. So he helps manage the pet store and does all of the aquarium and kind of fish ordering things for the store. And then on the side, he does the... Uh, the aquarium maintenance. He walks dogs occasionally. So he kind of does it all as well. Yes. Man of many talents. Well, I know yes. he is going to be speaking at the Texas convention coming he up next is. year. For yes. those of you that haven't gotten your tickets, I think there are still some available, but yes. Austin will be speaking at that one. So yes. he's that very is. excited. I bet he is. <laughs> well, he spoke at PSI last year also. He did. So. Yes. That was a lot. And there's just so much to to know about aquarium. I mean, I yes. have like my my limit to understanding anything truly about aquariums, like salt aquariums is from watching. Oh, what is that TV show that was on um, that my son loved so much? Tanked. Uh, is that with a tank? Tanked. Yes. 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 Two brothers in Vegas. Yes. Um, yeah, so that's my level of education. So I always appreciate a good conversation from Austin. <laughs> well, and it's it is fish systems are kind of hard, and so it's nice to have someone who can come in and tell you just like the basics, so you can you know our goal is when we help people with aquariums is like how can you learn how to manage them so you don't kill everything <laughs> while people are gone. Um, and just, you know, make sure everything stays steady, um, you know, kind of, and being able to spot things to look at aquarium and say, yeah, that doesn't look quite right. And then be able to reach out to them and then they can decide what they would like you to do. But just being able to keep an eye on things. We have a lot of clients who become our clients because they've gone out of town. Maybe it's like a couple and one, you know, the person who does the most of the aquariums went out of town and said, Oh, it'll be fine. You know, just throw some food in there occasionally and something happens um, and a system malfunctions or the other person doesn't really quite know what they're doing and everything dies. <laughs> and oh. it, can, it can be a lot of money tied up in that. And so we like to be able to help people kind of just understand what they're dealing with and, and be able to protect people's investments essentially. Yeah, so you guys are like uh, the the entrepreneurial family. Yes, and your I, blood and the it is. I never thought I'd be a business owner, though. I never thought I'd be an entrepreneur, and I've just kind of stumbled into it in a way. I wonder how many of us stop and say that when we're like, "I never thought I'd be doing this." I completely didn't think I would be in business. Mm -hmm. I always thought, you know, back when I was you know, in college, I'm like, "Have you like that?" Sounds like the worst thing ever to be a business owner. I mean, that's so like. Ugh. Yes. And, you know, I mean, here we are <laughs> and I exactly. wouldn't do anything differently. You get bit by the bug, right? Yeah. And it's very much, I like to see it as being a problem solver. So I see being a business owner as a problem solver and being able to look at things like for at first, it was my coworker who needed somebody to watch his dog for the weekend. And so I'm like, sure, we can do that. Like I can solve this problem for you. And then um, when we started kind of growing. And then my husband was working at this pet store. Um, and his boss cleaned aquariums as well. And his boss just had too many aquariums that he couldn't clean anymore. And he asked Austin, he's like, Hey, do you want to clean some aquariums? We said, sure, why not? And so that kind of took on its own, its life of its own. And so it's, that's kind of been my life. <laughs> I feel like yeah. is we just kind of been going and then we stumble across something and say, you know, I could do that or I could fill that need. Or um, sometimes you see an option and you go, you know, I could do that better, like, or I could do that different. And so just kind of being open, I would say, to 
whatever life brings your way has kind of been my story so far. Yeah, and that's one of the important things that we've really been focusing on in this revenue stream series is seeing market opportunities. Um, you know, we've just been trying to introduce people to options that are currently out there that merge well with mm-hmm. what we all already do. And and you are definitely one of those that is very intuitive and tapped into the pet industry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I just see that Memory Flame, which is the additional new business, serial entrepreneur here, right? Yes. That, that that sounds like it really just kind of involved, evolved naturally the same way. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that whole process. Yeah. So in 2018, we stumbled upon, I call her my little trash puppy. So we were in the process of kind of, we started looking for another dog. Like we had two dogs. I really wanted a third dog and we really hadn't committed to any particular process. Um, But we're just kind of putting our feelers out there and looking and nothing really seemed quite right. And then we had an acquaintance. Um, So again, with this kind of list of things that we've done. um, So my husband, Austin, used to work at Petco and he became a dog trainer for Petco. And so this gal who had taken a training class from him had reached out and said, hey, we found this puppy at my work. She had been put in an Arby's takeout bag, which was then put in a bag of garbage. And they literally saw a car pull up, dump this bag of garbage in their parking lot and drive away. And they didn't really think much of it until they started seeing the garbage bag starting to move. And lo and behold, there was a little puppy on the inside. And she was only about three weeks old. And um, I know it was so sad. People are just terrible (laughs) is the moral of the story. And um, they had kind of tried a few people at that work had tried to take her home and see if she would fit in. And she hadn't been a fit for anybody yet. Um, And so she came to us. And um, we didn't I mean, we kind of thought we might keep her. And then my husband named her and then she just, again, she just never left. <laughs> so her this name is, is not how it happens. Oh my gosh. And she was just the most precious little pit bull nugget. And we called her the potato because she was kind of this fawn and kind of lilac brindle. So, and she was about the size of like a russet potato. Um, so we called her the nugget or the little potato. And um Unfortunately for Olive, she had a lot of health issues and it kind of started from the beginning and they just, her health issues kind of got worse and worse and worse as she got older. Then they started affecting her behavior and her behavior got worse and worse as she got older. And at about two-ish years old, we kind of started thinking that Olive might not be having a very good time with life. And her quality of life was starting to decrease. She was starting to get paranoid. Like anything that used to bring her joy was now a struggle or she became, you know, paranoid about things. Like she couldn't even go for a walk anymore. She used to love walks. And then she was just worried constantly. Um, She started getting in fights with our other dogs and her health kept going downhill. And we kind of looked at the writing on the wall and we said, you know, she's only two And this is probably not getting better. We've been trying medications. We've tried all of the things. And um, we kind of realized that her quality of life was not good at all. And we kind of asked ourselves if Olive could talk, what would Olive ask? And we kind of decided that she was just, she was ready to not be here anymore, which was super sad. And um, so we just scheduled a behavioral euthanasia and our vet was fantastic. And she'd been working with us with her since the beginning. And she kind of agreed like, yep, we've tried all of the things and we're not, 
making her quality of life any better. So um, we made the really hard decision. And I was just absolutely heartbroken because this was this little baby that we had put so much time and effort and love. And it's that phrase of, you know, if love could have saved you, you would have lived forever. And um, I was really struggling with my grief and my sadness and trying to figure out how to move forward and how to feel better. And I started doing an internet search and I said, gosh, like, <laughs> you know, grief, <laughs> sad, <laughs> all of these things. And I stumbled upon people who were lighting candles with their grief. And every time they felt sad or they were thinking about their lost loved one, they would light a candle. And I'm a fairly pragmatic person. Like I grew up on a farm. I have that kind of like pragmatic side to me. And I kind of said, you know, this sounds kind of like a load of crap. Like how can lighting a candle <laughs> really little make too frou-frou. It was a little too frou-frou for me. And I really said, how is lighting a candle going to help me with my dead dog, right? Like this didn't seem to line up, but I was like, whatever, I am desperate. I will try anything. So I started lighting a candle and it wasn't very long before I realized it, it did, it worked. I was actually feeling better. And it was almost like I was able to take my grief out and kind of like lay it down because I was doing something about it. And I wasn't just feeling it. I was actually able to kind of express it in a new way. And there's just something special about looking at a flickering flame. And it made me feel kind of like Olive was still here. Like in a way I could look at it and see that she hasn't really gone. She's gone from my day-to-day -day life, but she's still here, right? Like she's still with me in its own way. Um, and so I said, hmm, maybe I should start gifting these to people, like gifting them to our clients when our clients lost a pet. And that went really well. And then I said, you know, I bet other pet sitters could use a gift to give to their clients or, you know, people to gift to their friends. Um, at first, when I made them, I really thought people would be buying them for themselves to help with their own grief. But really, it's an item that people are gifting. Um, I also joke that my mom is one of my best clients. She's at an age where a lot of her friends are losing spouses or parents or um, siblings. And so... Um, they work for people, they work for pets, they work with any just kind of anything heavy that you're holding, being able to light a candle and kind of watch that flame. There's something kind of mesmerizing or almost like meditative about looking at a flame. And again, I am not usually like a let's go and meditate kind of person, but it's um, I've just found it to be so helpful. Yeah, that's really incredible. And now I see, you know, those of you that are those of you that are listening to the podcast can't see this, but yes. those of you that are in the membership see this video and right there over your left shoulder, oh, I think I way. see. A there picture. she is. Oh, my camera's backwards. There it is. There we go. And I actually I wore her on my shirt today because oh, I thought it's your shirt. So there we yes. go. There's Miss Olive on my shirt. So yes. um so she's she my is little literally always with you because she is. she is the face of memory flame. She is. And so I feel in my way, this is like my forever tribute to her. Like she is the the reason that we started Memory Flame and a little piece of her is there every time I send out a candle. So even though Olive is not with me, like her, her legacy still lives on. And, um, and even if nobody ever knew about Olive, like I know that every time I send out a candle, like a part of, um, you know, kind of the tragedy of her life gets to be uh, honored and kind of repaid in a way, because a lot of people failed Olive. Um, and we get to, we try to do our best for her and she gets to continue on and, and kind of get that longer life than she was allowed. 
That's incredible. And so you, let's see, what year did you come out with Memory Flame? So we lost, yeah, uh, yep, 21. Yep. So we lost Olive in September. So actually looking at the calendar here, we got a couple days until her her, her death anniversary, as I call it. Oh, but, um, yeah, and 21 though? Um, so that was 22 or 2020. So life, you know, 2020 kind of sucked in a lot of ways. And that yeah. was one oh, of them geez, for us. Oh, maybe. <laughs> right? And so, that added it in. That's terrible. And that, that added it in. Um, and when it, even harder is, so we lost Olive September 15th, 2020. And then three weeks later, my husband got diagnosed with a bladder tumor. And thankfully, he is fine. Um, but that the two of those things together really helped me realize that I was working way too hard. I was not leaving time for the the stuff that makes life worth living. So having time with my family, having time for myself, you know, we can't just work all the time. And I think as service providers, especially when we have such close relationships with our clients, it is so hard to say no. It is so hard to um, to build in that time for ourselves and for our own families and our own lives. And we can get so caught up in serving others that we forget to enjoy our own life. Yeah. And that's, um, I mean, having those those two things back to back. I mean, there's many times, you know, people always say, oh, look, the bad stuff comes in threes. I mean, I don't believe mm-hmm. in all of that. But many times those core decisions and changes that you make in your life are because you have had those significant impacts. Mm-hmm. I know yeah. that's, that's what's happened for me that's made me change course mm-hmm. sometimes, pretty drastically change course. Absolutely. And I call it like a, like a catalyst moment, right? Like we have, we're going along and suddenly something happens and it could be something terrible. It could be something wonderful. You know, it doesn't really uh, matter what type of thing it is, but it's something that's like fairly significant. Um, And a lot of us do change what we're doing because of that catalyst moment. And I think one, one of the things that I'm also kind of passionate about is helping people understand that you don't need a catalyst moment to change your life. So if you don't love the way your business is going, or if you don't love, you know, how much time you're getting for yourself, whatever that thing is, you don't have to wait for something terrible to happen or something, you know, big to happen. Like you can make a change at any time. Yeah. Don't, don't wait for the dramatic because that might not be, yeah, that, that might not be very helpful. So is, is that the point kind of right in there where you, really started thinking about this concept that you have of live full, live happy? It is. Yeah. It all, it all kind of came at that same time where I realized like I am not living my own full and happy life because I'm living for my clients and I'm here at my client's beck and call essentially. And while I have appreciated serving them in that way, I also know that I need to serve my own life. And, um, Really, it kind of also came out when I was evaluating Olive's life and saying, you know, what what are the good things in Olive's life right now? Is she getting to, you know, have new experiences? Is she getting um, to have trusting and close relationships? Is she getting a chance to have fun? Um, how are those things playing in with her? And I found a lot of quality of life scales to be kind of lacking in a way, a lot of quality of life skills or scales that you find online are really geared towards dogs who are very elderly or who Mm -hmm. are feeling sick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's pain. Are they eating? Are they breathing? Okay. Are they, you know, can they move? You know, all of those things I think are very helpful, but they really didn't apply to 
our situation. They weren't like, if you have to consider behavioral euthanasia for your dog, these are things that you should consider based on their quality of life. Yeah, that's so an when interesting, I was, uh, sorry, it's an oh, yeah. interesting conversation because I, I just recently had that conversation for my local podcast with uh, um, someone that runs a large uh, rescue organization here mm-hmm. in St. Louis, Care STL, and they have actually started an entire new preventing euthanasia program for mm-hmm. those dogs that quality of life was a concern. And yes. most people don't realize how that has to be that, that behavioral aspect that mm-hmm. uh, ties in so much to what quality of life is. Yes. You know, so many of the dogs in the shelter that have been there forever, they don't have a quality of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost like with Olive, that's how you had to treat her because she could not get out and be part of society. Exactly. Because of all those concerns. And so, you know, that's just not, that's not what was intended for her life originally. Mm-hmm. Well, Absolutely. Her life, her life had a lot more purpose while we were <laughs> now, but. Yes. Yeah. And it's just, um, and it's something, again, people don't talk about because behavioral euthanasia is such a taboo topic to begin with, but they're just, there weren't the resources that I was really looking for at that time. And so, and I, so when I started thinking about Olive's quality of life, I started thinking, well, gosh, can I apply those same principles to my own life? Like if I'm trying to give my dog, you know, a variety of experiences being again, close and trusting relationships, support, all of these things, like time for the fun in life, shouldn't I be doing the same thing as well? And there is a YouTube fantastic YouTube video from a TED talk by a vet named Sarah Hagen. And I actually have it on my wall up here. I printed out a little, um, a little quote from that. And it's talking about how hard it is to be in a position of um, having to euthanize dogs. So she works as an ER vet. And so a lot of times she sees the, the end of life side as opposed to the, you know, enjoying of life side. And she said, I decided if I was going to have to say goodbye to all of these pets, I better live up to their standards. So I decided I was going to live my life like a dog. And so I think when we think about the quality of life that we as pet sitters give to our clients, like what if we put as much effort into giving those same things to ourselves, right? We're out there to give dogs walks so they can have an enriched and happy life are we giving ourselves an enriched and happy life? Are we taking ourselves out? Like Janie, you and I have talked about like, do I have a hobby? <laughs> you know, uh, no, right? No my business is a hobby, right? That's. <laughs> yeah, and I say, no, your work is not your hobby. Um, and it can be hard to find a hobby, especially as adults. It's hard to find a social group. It's hard to find things that we enjoy doing. And Um, but they bring so much enrichment and joy to our lives. And so if we can focus our energy on trying to find something to do, even if your hobby is like going to a brewery with friends or going to a coffee shop with a friend, like that counts as a hobby, right? Um, And so there's other things that we can do to make sure we get our own great life, even though we are spending so much of our time serving others, but be able to serve ourselves too. Yeah, find that white space somewhere in there. Exactly. Yeah. You you have to have time to enjoy life. Otherwise, what's the point? Like, what's the point of work? And this is like when my husband was sick. And at the beginning, we didn't know how sick he was. Like, it took time to do tests and, you know, do a surgery and all of these things. 
And so at, at some point we didn't know how sick he was. And we, I kind of looked at it to say, if this was all of the time we had together, I've spent a lot of it working and not enjoying him as my partner. And so how, how would I feel like if this really was, if he was very sick and this was the end, what, what would I look back on as our life together? And would I be content with that? And I kind of said, no, not really. <laughs> that I have not been the best partner that I could be because I'm giving everything to my business. And so I kind of said, you know, over moving forward, we're going to do things differently. So what are some of the biggest changes that you made personally? I think for me, the big thing is just um, stopping work at the end of the day and having some family time, um, whether we're just going to sit down and watch a show together, whether we go out, we go out to eat or um, we do the sport curling together. And I know it's a it's kind of an obscure sport. My maybe knows. That. And now I just really want to see you curl. I it is super fun. I think it's fun. Um, it's like most people see it on the Olympics. It's in the Winter yeah. Olympics, and it's like a big sheet of ice, and people are throwing rocks down the sheet of ice, and it looks Isn't that very one where you strange. Sweep in front of it or something. Yes. Okay. Yep. You're sweeping. Um, and it's kind of like little penguins going down the ice because they're just kind of sliding all around. And um, I found it in college. So the first city we moved to out of college had a curling club and they had, I think I saw like a poster in the grocery store or something. And we had moved there. We didn't know anybody. And I said, well, we can join a bowling league <laughs> or we can try curling. And so we decided to try curling and we kind of got hooked right away. Um, but it's, a, it's just fun social thing. And um, a couple years ago, I decided, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put more effort into making time for this because as a pet sitter, I'm working a lot of weekends and most curling tournaments or um, that you can go to are on the weekends. Cause that's wow. when most people aren't working. Wow, yeah. Right. And so, and it was like, okay, well, I'm going to make intentional effort to leave some weekends open, say no to some clients or be able to have our team doing some of those visits and just make time because I realized that work is always going to be there. Somebody will always need something from me. And if I don't intentionally make time, it's never going to happen. So yeah. I think that's been the big thing is taking time at the end of the day and then making effort to doing these fun things, whether I'm doing it with my spouse, whether I'm going to go and play with friends, but just making the time to just enjoy that part of life. That's awesome. You I should try it. I know. Well, um, okay. So, you know, I have to, I have to bring this in your, your presentation that you had at the Florida Pet Services Association. Um, you said one thing in there, I think it was actually a bullet point on your presentation. Yes. And it specifically said, be unproductive. Mm -hmm. And that hit me because all of my life, I have felt the pressure to produce, mm -hmm. you know, produce for the family, produce for my clients. And, you know, I think, and, and I don't like to specify gender or anything like that, but I think that's just a naturally female position that we've been put in is feeling mm -hmm. like we do for other people. And then we, if there's anything left over, we do for ourselves mm -hmm. and just you challenging everyone to, you know, as was part of it was, you know, finding a hobby, um, was just the concept of being unproductive. Mm -hmm. So, you know, explain that a little bit more to, to people, because it is a little bit um, not the normal thing that you hear from people that are in the business community. 
Yes, absolutely. And so I was talking about um, the different types of rest that we can do and how we need to prioritize rest in our lives because we cannot be great pet sitters or great managers or great admin people if we don't have a chance to rest. And we have to refill our own cup um, and, and have something to give. And if we're always giving, there's nothing left at the end of the day or at the end of the week or the end of the year. And so there's a few different, I had nine different types of rest. And, you know, a big one for a lot of people is just, like you said, being unproductive. And because we are, we, how many times do we get to our house at the end of the day, or we wake up in the morning and we kind of look around and we say, gosh, there's a lot of stuff around here that needs to be done. So even when we have time off of work, we are still trying to be productive. We're cleaning the house. We are taking our dogs for a walk. We are, you know, doing some laundry. Whatever that is, we tend to just pack our days full of stuff. And when we have a chance to be unproductive, you're right. It feels icky sometimes because we have been kind of conditioned to think I need to do things or like my worth or my value comes from how productive I am. And if I'm not doing things, like what's the point almost, or, you know, like what value am I going to bring to my family or to my clients if I'm not doing something? And the chance to be unproductive is just to sit or to go on a walk for yourself or, you know, whatever that thing is, or just sit and think how much do we ever allow ourselves to just sit and think about things without being multitasking? Like I'm going to shower and think about things, or I'm going to drive to my next client and think about I things. Think about things. <laughs> like we're always trying to, you know, double dip. Whereas like, can we just be unproductive and be with our own thoughts and just enjoy ourselves? Like grab a cup of coffee or go for a walk or do whatever it is that like, you don't have to sit still, but do something for yourself. That's not, you know, being productive to some other standard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some of my, my switch and a little bit of mindset shift for me lately has been in reading, um, the gap in the gain. I and, love that book so yeah, much. I know I went right from that to who, not how, and now I think I'm just going yes. <laughs> to put them on repeat. And, um, yeah, I mean, just that, that mind shift, mindset shift mm -hmm. there of just really looking. Cause I've always felt like I need to do more, but mm -hmm. being able to sit back and say, okay, well, look what I've done. Mm -hmm. Now let's, let's take a beat and appreciate what, what has been done. Absolutely. And, and, and where we've yeah. come from. Yes. And for me, that's, Okay, well, that is actually being productive by doing that, but it's my version <laughs> of being unproductive. Does that count? <laughs> I, you know, I think so. it's a good first step. We'll give you it's that. A it's a good, step. it's a good first step. Um, you know, um, I think that, well, one, I love both of those books. I think both of those books are fantastic. I know you are a big reader, I'm a big reader. Um, one of the reasons I, brought this presentation um, to PSI or to PSI to uh, Florida Pet Services Association is I read a book that I think is um, it might be good for many of us. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, and the guy who wrote it is a former uh, megachurch pastor. So he kind of comes he very much comes at the book from this like kind of Christian biblical 
foundation. So uh-huh. if that's not your jam, you know, you may or may not like the book, but, well, but you can still read the principles in any book, even ab- if it's a Christian basis. It's absolutely still incredible principles that apply anyway. Yes. Yeah. And the, um, the kind of the tagline of his book is how to stay emotionally healthy in the chaos of a modern world. And so it's very much like he comes at it again from this perspective of like, Jesus was never fast. Like he was slow about everything and, you know, and it worked out okay for him. (laughs) (laughs) And um, very much like that hurry kind of gets in the way of us enjoying our own life. You know, if we're always hurry, we're always anxious, we're always pushing for that next thing, which actually really ties into the book, The Gap in the Gain, right? So if we're always thinking that um, the the benefit or like we'll be able to enjoy life sometime in the future, right? I'm yes. going to achieve X and then I can be happy. Uh, or yeah. if I, yeah. if I, I just work- When I hit this mark. Yeah, when I hit- you know, six figures of revenue, I'll be happy. When I hire my first manager, I'll be happy. When I don't have to work weekends anymore, I'll be happy. Um, when I get, you know, whatever fill in the blank thing is, then I'll be happy. We're always pushing and striving and filling our days full, but we can enjoy life now. We don't have to wait for some future thing. We can find moments of joy and happiness and purpose in our life now. We don't have to wait. Um, And we don't have to put our value as a person or as a business owner on how much we can produce. Um, And that we're just, we're inherently valuable as a human and as a business owner, kind of just as we are. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, that is so well said. I think they actually refer to it in the gap in the gain. I don't remember if the term was the horizon illusion. I don't remember what it is because every time yes. you like your happiness is the horizon. Every time you get there, it just extends further mm-hmm. when you it's, think yeah. you're getting there. Yeah. It's like a time to breathe in between. Yes. Or like, you know, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, like you yeah. walk towards the end of the rainbow, but the rainbow is always moving. So yeah, that horizon mm-hmm. point is always moving. Like, And especially if we think like, I'll be happy when, once you get there, you're probably not going to find happiness there Mm -hmm. anyway, because you haven't learned how to be happy in the moment. So if you haven't learned how to be happy in the moment, how is accomplishing any, you know, arbitrary goal going to make you happy because you haven't quite figured it out yet. Um, And so by helping kind of slowing down and enjoying life now, we can still reach for those goals, but we know that maybe we're reaching for them, not out of a strive for happiness, but out of, uh, you know, like an internal desire to reach that thing. So it's like, do you want to grow because you want the challenge of growing and you want to run a team and you want to do all these things? Or are you growing because somebody told you that you'll be happy once you get a team? And those are two or different perspectives. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh Yeah, like you, you know, you can't be a successful business owner until you have a team or you can't be a successful business owner until you have 30 employees and a full time manager, you know, all of these things like, well, you know, but that also would discount a lot of our businesses, right, to say, as a solo person, like you can have a fantastic business as a solo pet sitter and have a very fulfilling life and you don't need to grow because you've built your business in another way. So, um, yeah. So I think there's a lot of disservice that comes from when we think like that happiness is only attainable by hitting some arbitrary goal. Mm -hmm. Well, that's true. And, you know, I mean, I have to 
I have to say, I do have that built into mind with the seven fig big, but yes. you know, I mean, that's a lot of the conversation that we have just in our industry is, oh, well, you need to strive for six figures. Oh, mm-hmm. you need to strive for $10,000 a month. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we kind of always have, have those little markers and I guess it does set up a difficult standard for people to think that that's what happiness is. Because, yeah, and you, know, you, you get to this point and you still, the horizon moves. It yes. Does. Yeah. And there's new challenges that come with that thing. And, I, you know, I think that there's like, we are at a, we're now at a multi six figure revenue business. And so we are very much in that point of, I've enjoyed growing our business and I've enjoyed, you know, some of the benefits that come from it. But, um, you know, I, don't think that everybody needs that. So like, if you are a person where you want to have a seven figure business, that's amazing. And there's great resources out there to help you get there, but don't feel like you have to, right. Um, In order to enjoy life, because it's, I like to say that business doesn't necessarily get easier. The bigger we get, it's just a different type of hard. Um, so, (laughs) so some of the, you know, like, sure. I don't have to work every weekend anymore, but that doesn't mean that my, that running my business is any easier. It's just, I'm doing different things to run my business. Right. Right. Yeah. Like you said, it's just a a different version of hard. Yeah. And I think, (laughs) and I think we, we talk a lot about, or I I wouldn't say that I would say, I think there's a lot of maybe miss um, misunderstanding or kind of misassumption that um, if we do a lot of things, like our business is just going to be super easy. And like life as a business owner is going to be super easy. And it's not going to be stressful. And if I just do the quote unquote, right thing. Yeah, like it's prescriptive. Right, like just do the right thing. And now suddenly your life is really easy. And being a business owner is super easy. But I think that does a disservice to the truth of owner business ownership, which is that it's always hard. It's just what kind of hard are you interested in? Um, because each level of business has a different type of hard associated with it. It's just, what do you like to do? What are your gifts and your talents as an individual? And how can you bring that to your business? And I think, you know, like I am not an operations person. (laughs) And so I appreciate Jeannie that there are people like you who are so great at the metrics and the operations and the standardization and all of these things, because like, that is not my gifting. And, um, but that doesn't mean I still can't be a great business owner, right? There's there's right. different different things that all of us get to be really good at. And when we can learn from others, then it's like, oh, yes, that, that's fantastic. But maybe I don't do that. Maybe I need to hire somebody who can oh do that goodness. for me, right? Who, not what? Oh, yes. you were speaking my language. You know, I, I'm huge on all of these personality tests and things like that. And this feeds so much into that. I just feel like, you know, people at the beginning of a business should step back and take these DISC personality and motivator tests mm-hmm. and take strengths finder and find out, what some of those things are. And when you're looking at the tasks in your business, look at what your zone of genius is on mm-hmm. those. And those other things, find your who. Of yes. course, read the book, who, not how, of yes. course. <laughs> and um, totally would recommend that because, you know, I need to find a lot more who's in my life um, mm-hmm. and, and just understand that you're not going to be good at everything. Yes. But there's going to be someone out there that is the perfect thing for them. And it is exactly what would light them up. Exactly. Like the things that I would rather, like I've talked with uh, Doug Keeling about, like, I would rather poke my eyes out (laughs) than write a standard operating manual. Like that is just like, I, oh, I just can't do it. Like I've tried to sit down and write it and it's just, 
it's just so hard for me. And I'm like, I just need to outsource this, right? Like I need to find, you know, an employee who wants to do this. I need to find a consultant who can help me do this. You know, whatever that thing is in your business, um, or if you hate communications and writing, following up with every single person about everything, single little thing, maybe there's somebody on your team who can do that. Or maybe you can, you know, if you need to find a VA, there's, there's lots of solutions out there. Um, and that's very much what my, um, presentation is going to be for PSI, um, coming up here. It's very much like, what are you good at and how can you capitalize on that? And then hand off the rest because we do not need to be chief everything officers. Like the E in CEO does not stand for everything. And we are not meant to be good at everything. And that's okay. Um, one of my favorite kind of new favorite personality things. Well, I've kind of gotten into the Enneagrams. I think Enneagrams yeah. are yes. super fascinating. <laughs> uh, and another I have a hard one, time with it. I still try to figure out what's my wing, right? Oh, yes, yes. And then another one I love is called Wealth Dynamics. And it's very much like that there are kind of four major work types that we like to do. And then within those, there's um, eight different kind of total work types. And each of us kind of falls into one of these things. And if you love kind of the creative big idea things, you probably aren't going to love the project management things or like the data analytic things. And that's okay. And you don't have to make yourself like everything, but you can find other people who can fill those roles, whether it's a consultant or an employee. Um, There's options out there and don't force yourself to do something you hate, like you still need to learn about it. So you can know enough to manage somebody or to help, you know, kind of give them guidance, but uh-huh. you don't have to do it all. And it's, it's okay. You shouldn't do it all. Yeah. You're definitely that big picture kind of thinker. You're really, I can tell you're really passionate about looking at the, the vision and Mm -hmm. the purpose, everything that you have done, just the way that your thread has started from 2013 on, everything has been just like putting this extra, bolting this extra little block on that Mm. has come to define who you are. You know, I mean, from lucky pup to memory flame to, you know, the live full, live happy and now starting a podcast. Yes. To really be able to share that that just core philosophy that you have of, you know, honestly, the live full, live happy and mm-hmm. how people can do that for themselves, for their clients. Mm-hmm. Um, that is such a huge gift that you bring to our industry. And I just want mm-hmm. to acknowledge you for that, because I know from experience having a podcast now since... May of 2022. Um, it's it's a lot to bring out to people. Yes. And every time you do it, you're you're giving some of yourself. Yes. And um, tell everyone about this, those listeners that don't yes. know yet. Oh yeah, Morgan's rolling <laughs> out a podcast. Yes. So it's called the Lucky Pup Podcast, and it'll be coming out this fall, fall 2023. And uh, we're going to do it in seasons because I'm still very much in the field, um, working in the field in our business. And so I was like, how... I was trying to think about this, like, how am I going to run a podcast when I'm working kind of crazy holiday hours? And it's like, Maybe I don't. Maybe I do this in season. So we're going to kind of try a fall season and like a, a spring season to try to work around the crazy summer and the crazy holidays. Um, so we'll see how this goes. But I'm really excited. I have a lot of great kind of industry guests that I'm going to bring on. And then also I have a lot of friends that I've met in um, 
my, the people that I was, um, uh, I had as a coach, you know, their circles were not in the pet world. So I have like some, um, outside of the pet world, uh, guests to bring on as well that I'm really excited about, but yeah, we're talking this first season, we're talking about big ideas. And I think that there's a lot to be said about most of us probably didn't go. Most of us didn't think like, I would like to have a business and, Hmm. I think it should be pet sitting. Like I think Hmm. Megan and Colin are probably one of the only, you know, of the uh, pet sitter confessional. I think they're probably some of the only people who said, I would like to have a business and it shall be a pet sitting business. I feel like a lot of us have kind of stumbled upon it in a different way. And so a lot of us didn't come at it because we wanted to be a business owner. And I think there's a lot of business fundamentals. And, you know, again, Janie, you do such a great job of educating people on a lot of those business fundamentals. And there's just so many things that we just don't know. And you don't know that you don't know. And if you don't know that you don't know, you can't go out and find it. So, right. um, you, you know, just across it. you just stumble oh, across this is what I was missing. I didn't even know. Exactly. It. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, so we're going to talk like I want to talk about burnout because that's another big thing that I'm passionate about, because, again, I think so many of us work ourselves out of our this industry because we are so again, we're so focused on doing an amazing job for our clients that we look at this. And I think, again, you talk a lot about, you know, the financial side of businesses and how do you make it worth it? So many of us say I'm working too damn hard for too damn little and I don't see a way out and I just have to quit. Like I'm just going to close the doors and I'm going to go fold sweaters at Kohl's or I'm going to go sit in a cubicle, you know, whatever that thing is. There's nothing wrong with any of those jobs. But if you want to be a pet sitter, there's a way to do it that's sustainable and that serves you for the long term, because only 25% of businesses make it past 15 years. And so if we want more of our pet sitting cohorts to be able to make it to 15 years and beyond, we need to make sure that we're helping people give them, you know, the the big ideas and the information that they need to, to make sure they can get there and kind of help them think about things maybe they haven't thought about before. So one of my friends that I've met through the grief world, (laughs) um, you know, we're going to talk about like how grief can impact our business lives. And it doesn't always have to be a grief of losing a person or losing a pet, but just like the, the hardships that come in life. We don't always think about that as grief, but it is. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, all of the stages of grief that can come with um, losing a team member that's been with you yes. for a long period of time. Absolutely. Um, and it is, you, you go through the stages of grief. Absolutely. And it's, you know, and all of those things really pile up. And if we don't take kind of that effort to work through them um, in a positive way, it's just going to keep piling up and it's going to be too heavy to carry. And we're going to get to a point where we say it's not worth it. Even Mm -hmm. if I'm making a bunch of money, it's still, it's just not worth it. And so, um, so yeah, anyway, burnout is a big, a big item for me because I think that there's a lot of us that could be just living a better life in general. We might not think that we're burnt out when we start kind of going through like a burnout checklist. We realize like, Oh no, (laughs) I, I am in burnout right now. So yeah, so it's kind of some of the big things that we're going to talk about on the podcast. And it's something I've been thinking about for a while, and it just wasn't quite the right timing. And so I finally decided that now is as good a time as any. Yep. So here we go. That is awesome. So you know, you mentioned burnout checklist. Do you have Mm -hmm. a burnout checklist? Because I I am not sure that I've seen one. Is that something that might possibly be a downloadable available. Absolutely. We can do that. We can do that. Yes. I have about 30 questions. Um, 
And then kind of you say yes or no, right? Like, yep, I feel this. No, I don't feel this. And once you get through those 30 questions, really about once you get about a third of the way through, once you get to question 10, you kind of start getting a feeling of whether or not this is applying to you. And I like to think about burnout in kind of a couple different stages. And, you know, there's kind of like the beginning of burnout. There's kind of like the yeah, I'm getting like, I'm, I'm not super happy, but I'm going to keep going. And then there's kind of that last stage of like crisis <laughs> where mm-hmm. I, you know, you kind of get to the point where you're like, I can't do this anymore. And then you decide, am I going to try to fix things and do things differently? Or am I just going to be done? Um, so there's definitely layers and like levels of burnout, but, um, but yes, I'd be happy. I'll make a little, uh, we'll make a little downloadable. That is awesome. Yeah. I know with, um, there are two different businesses that I've purchased, one in uh, 2019 and, and one in 2020. And in both of those situations, both the business owners had hit that level. And mm-hmm. it's it's dramatic. I had been coaching both of them prior to that. And then you just see, you just see it click. It's it's mm-hmm. like a divorce. They've just their mm-hmm. brain has divorced the attachment to the business. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the ultimate there that, you know, if we can at all prevent people from hitting that point where there's just no, no other option, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially if it's something that people really enjoy. I mean, it's one thing to be like, you know, I don't find this work to be fulfilling anymore. My priorities in life have shifted. Like, that's all fine. Like, that's great to recognize that for yourself. But like, if you love your business and you could fix some of those things before they got to that point. Like, well, let's, let's try to fix those. Like, let's help people recognize that they're in kind of in the quagmire before they get totally, you know, up to their neck and they're about to go under. Um, so I think there's definitely things that we can do to help people recognize they're in that stage and then deciding what needs to be fixed. So who should I reach out to, to even help me fix? Is it a culture thing? Is it a financial thing? Is it you know, a people thing? Is it all of the things? And maybe we need like a more holistic, you know, look at it. But yeah, there's so many great resources out there that um, people can click into once they know that they need it, but you have to know that you need it. True. So we've got the burnout checklist to recognize that and, you know, what phase you are at. And then of course, we really need to be able to provide tools. Mm -hmm. Um, I know you said there are resources and such. Do you have anything potentially planned as uh, additional resources to help people since this clearly is something that you're passionate about. Yes. So actually on the way home from the Florida Pet Services Association, I started outlining my burnout course. (laughs) So yes, so I don't have an ETA for that yet. Probably kind of say probably early 2024. Um, But yeah, because I do think that there is there's so much it's such a deep and kind of complicated issue that um, there are a lot of just a lot of components that play into burnout. And I think it deserves a little bit more attention. And especially, you know, there's um, some great books about burnout and some other great resources out there. But, you know, what we do is so unique as pet sitters, you know, there how many other industries are there where we never see our clients, but we have a key to their house. And we built these really you know, kind of dynamic, um, important relationships. Like it's, it's just such a unique field. And I think that along with that comes unique challenges. And, you know, a lot of that burnout stuff kind of comes from over-serving and not, again, not making time for yourself and not prioritizing your own 
life enjoyment because yeah, what's the point otherwise just to work until you die? Like that's not, that's not my ideal of fun. <laughs> I would rather, Yay! you know, I'd rather do more um, in my life than, than just work all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, the, the dogs aren't going to remember us. Right. Yeah. Like, and you know, and who's um, another phrase I had in my presentation at Florida that kind of stuck with some people is who's getting your leftovers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're only giving your clients the prime you, your family is getting your leftovers, yourself is getting your leftovers, you know, your own dogs are getting your own pets are getting your leftovers. And um, instead, you know, we should get our own, le- we should get some of our leftovers right before they're yes, leftovers. They shouldn't be left over. <laughs> they shouldn't be left over, you know, and like from a financial side, and again, Jeannie, you talk a lot about making sure that as a business owner, that you can get paid for your work. And if you're only getting paid the leftovers of your business, again, that's not a great long-term solution. You have to figure these things in. So, you know, our businesses get so much of our time and our attention um, that we need to give some of that to ourselves too. Oh, agreed. Oh my gosh. This has been so impactful. Um, You know, I mean, again, it's, I knew the conversation was going to go this way. (laughs) Because there were so many things to talk to you about. Yeah. You know, of course, it's technically part of the revenue streams t- series, which, you know, you know I forgot that that's where we started. I we kind know, of we started down a rabbit hole, <laughs> which is amazing, guys. I will drop all these links in the show notes. There are so many th- things that I want to, to point out for people to link to that we've talked about. But I mean, you are a, you know, true visionary for our entire industry to be able to see these needs. I mean, not for the pet industry, just the business owners, but Mm -hmm. also for the pet owners themselves, because of course, gosh, on the flip side with managing burnout, we're just going to have better businesses to take care of the pets also. Yes. So you really are very holistically approaching how your gifts can improve our industry overall. Yeah. And I love that. I'm so honored to know you, having met you, coming up on a year of knowing you. And um, I'm so excited to see what comes with your Live Full, your your Live Full, Live Happy, your Lucky Pup podcast. Um, You let me know when that thing comes out and I will be blasting it to my community. Thank you. So, I will. Absolutely. Yes. And then of course, memory flame. If anyone out there is listening and, and needs just that extra above the top, sweet, um, gosh, just loving on your clients when mm-hmm. they lose their babies. It's, it comes so beautifully packaged. It's drop shipped directly to your client. If you want, mm-hmm. it's quick, it's beautiful special messages included. And I would just highly recommend if you're looking for something else to love on your clients when they lose someone that you talk to Morgan over at Memory Flame. Oh, thanks, Janie. As what I'm going to add on top of that is um, pet grief, especially is really disenfranchised. Um, and I think as the, the, the special relationship that we as pet sitters get to and dog walkers get to build with our clients we are might be the only people in their life who recognize the pain and the suffering that they're feeling when their pet passes away. And, you know, they might, they might not even get time off of work. They might uh-huh. not have, you know, people in their life say, Oh, it's just a dog. It's just a cat. It was just a rabbit. You know, why do you care so much? Or it can't be that bad. Um, don't worry. You can get another dog. You know, all of these 
things that people might think are being helpful really aren't. And I think we have that ability to, um, especially if you're really customer surface, customer service focused in your business, you know, you can really show them, well, one, how much you um, value them as a client. And then also how much you valued your relationship with their pet. And you might be one of the only ones who takes the moment and takes that time to recognize the the important relationship that they had with their pet. And so I like to tell people it doesn't matter how long ago it's been since their pet has passed away. You can always send a remembrance gift or you can always send a remembrance note. And um, even if you don't send a candle, one of our memory flame candles, like that's okay. Just send a note, send a little note. Hey, I was thinking about Buster today and, you know, I just really enjoyed the way he, you know, walked around the neighborhood with me. He was always so happy and joyful, you know, that simple taking five seconds out of your day to text that to a client or, you know, send them an email, send them a note is going to make a huge difference in their life. And while I would love if you would send a memory flame candle, my kind of larger mission is just kind of normalizing grief and encouraging people to reach out. So no matter how you do it, just make sure you, you send somebody a note when, when they're hurting. Yeah. It's, it's acknowledging people. And like you said, it's a kind of a disenfranchising loss. Um, it's mm-hmm. making them seen. Yes. Yeah. And I think we all deserve to be seen. Um, and especially kind of in our hardest moments um, for people, maybe especially, you know, they don't, maybe they don't have a kid, maybe they don't have, you know, a significant other, you know, they're, their pet might be the most important relationship in their life and to help them know that they're not alone is a big deal. Mm, Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I will put all of that information for people to get in touch with you. And uh, again, I am so excited to see what the future, gosh, even the rest of this year brings for Morgan Weber. Thank you so much, Janie. I'm so excited. And yeah, thank you for having me on. It's been so wonderful getting to know you over, like you said, the last year. And you're such a wealth of information for our industry. And I just love seeing what you do. It's been really awesome. Oh my gosh. Mutual admiration here. (laughs) And uh, definitely we'll be seeing you at the convention. I believe they still have, if anyone wants to get one of the digital uh, yes. Digital, I guess, registrations. They'll still be providing that also. So. Yes. Yeah. Get your, grab your recordings. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pet Biz Hive. You can follow me at Pet Biz Hive on both Facebook and Instagram and learn more at PetBizGuru.com. What is your next best move? <laughs>